And for those that are online, I hope you appreciate that. <laughs> Don't hold back. Just tell it the way it is. <laughs> God does. But in heaven, he doesn't have hairy, sweaty armpits. I'm sure. No one's ever thought about that. Are there sweaty, hairy armpits in heaven? No, 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 we've got new bodies. I think it's all cool. I think we'll be rexoned for eternity anyway. All right. Oh, gosh. Where do I want to go? What do I want to talk about today? We're in 2024. We're already in, oh, gosh, halfway through February, aren't we? Like it's almost March. It's practically Christmas. Um, some of us, I've got to stand on the right side or it could be offensive. Some of us are old in the house. Some of us are old that are watching. Some of us are young in the house. Some of us are young that are watching. But I know one thing, regardless of our age or how long we've been alive, I think we'd all testify that life has good times and life has bad times. Life ebbs and flows. Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah? Anyone here in any part, of any regardless of age, that your whole life has been absolutely outstandingly perfect? David, I love you. I know some of your story though. So, um, <laughs> life ebbs and flows. And over the, the last few months, we've been looking at King Saul and particularly King David and all of that, the journey, the ups and downs that David faced. And I, I, I want to have a look at this because David's life was no different to ours. One minute it was great, the next minute it was hard. And he experienced so many highs and lows that I, I actually think there's a learning in it for, for us. You know, there's, actually there's so much learning <laughs> just in, in his life, in his story. You know, in the beginning of King David's life, it, it seems like it's just all perfect. He, you know, there he was, he's just a shepherd boy. And then he's chosen to be king. You know, like it, it's like a storybook, isn't it? Like it's just perfect. You know, Goliath gets in the way, but he seems to get over that and he's growing and he's flourishing and God's blessing him. And yet the obstacles to derail him keep coming. And, and there's one in particular that I want to focus on that I think is really, it's real for all of us, you know, if we're going to be totally honest and transparent. Because I hope in this place, Family Life Church, we're totally open, honest and transparent. I don't like the phrase, fake it till you make it. I don't like that. It's alive and well in a lot of churches. That, again, it's not criticism, it's commentary. I think we have a more real you know, faith in the Lord when we're totally authentic, when we're totally open. And sometimes we can keep secrets between God, so that authenticity has to be with a brother or sister. And we've been talking about that the last couple of weeks as well. And so we're going to read that David left the place called Gath. In fact, Gath is where, or Gath, on your pronunciation, yeah? That's actually where Goliath was from, Goliath of Gath. And he leaves that place, yeah, after chapter 17, because he's killed Goliath, and he escapes to a cave called Adullam, yeah? He goes to the cave of Adullam. He's not escaping from Goliath. He's killed him. He's not escaping from the Philistines. They're afraid of him. You know, but like we talked about last week, he's actually escaping from the crazy King Saul. And so we're going to jump into 1 Samuel chapter 22. We're going to read from verse 1 for the moment. And we're just going to jump into a couple of places here or there. But verse 1 actually reads, and let me just start with, Father, bless the message. Bless us all. In Jesus' name. Amen. 
I figure a good, good prayer, a, a quick prayer is a good prayer because Jesus raised Lazarus with just a few words. Yeah, So I figure that was a good prayer. So anyway, verse 1, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. Verse 2, all those who were in distress yeah, or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their commander and 400 men were with him. I want to start by saying there's often a good reason for, for us, for you and I, to be discontent. You know, And there's a few connections I want to look at with verse 2 in and around that that actually describe, describes this gathering at the cave of Adullam. So firstly, you've got this stack of Israelites that knew that there was a godless leadership in the land. They knew that King Saul was crazy, King Saul. They knew it was now godless leadership. And We've already looked at Saul about being a terrible king and a crazy leader, but he was also walking in disobedience. Yeah, he, he, he was unjustly hurting David. And it was this king that David was escaping and hiding from. A, a really good passage of scripture and an easy one to remember for those that tr like to try to remember. I'm not very good all the time. It's easy when I've got it in front of me. But it's Proverbs 28, 28. Because Proverbs 28, 28 reads, When the wicked rise to power, think of King Saul, people going to hiding, think of King David. But when the wicked perish, the righteous thrive. Yeah. So you've got these Israelites that are gathering together because they know that there's godless leadership in the land. Then another, another reason that actually is, I guess, trying to capture why people can be discontented is others were discontented because, like it says, some gathered, they were in debt. It says some were in distress, probably because of bad leadership. Some were in debt, and some were in debt. They were just in general distress around that. They may have been in debt because the land was so poorly looked after because King Saul was such a bad king. Yeah, it could be that. And they actually knew that because he was walking in disobedience, they needed a blessing from God. <laughs> but Saul's leadership was so terrible... And so there's a connection there with being discontent. You know, problems always exist. Who knows that in life? Problems always exist. Yeah? Good, I'm glad you know that. One person knows that in particular, but that's great. But in life, we can face good times and we can face bad times. Yeah? Things are going well, praise the Lord. But you and I, as believers, we've got to be ready when things aren't going so well, when things... Are unhappy when things are bad. Money troubles can make us unhappy. Yeah, anyone been there? Speak to any uni student generally. <laughs> like, you know, I was talking to someone the other day. They just started some more study, and they go, just added to my hex debt. <laughs> like, oh gosh, money troubles can make us unhappy. Actually, you can have a lot of money and still be unhappy. You know, in fact, sometimes a lot of money can be the beginning of our problems. There are moments in life of profound sadness that a lot of us here have experienced in the past. Yeah, Some are going through bad health. Some are journeying through just challenging life situations. And sometimes you just, can just feel alone, can't you? Open, honest, transparent. Yeah? You can just feel alone. Sometimes national issues hit us. Maybe we've got a crummy government. That's not a 
you know, comment. It's just part of the message, that's all. Sometimes we can have a crummy government. Maybe a celebrity pastor falls into sin, yeah? That sort of knocks us all for six when that happens. There's fighting, wars, rumours of wars. There's a loss of job. The best one yet, a friend stabs you in the back. Who loves that one? Oh, that's a joyous time. Yeah, oh, you're exciting. Oh, I'm so glad you did that. I knew it was going to happen to me one day. I'm glad that it has. No, ever. Yes, there was discontent because of the leadership of Saul, but there are sometimes other reasons for discontent in their lives and in our lives just because life gives us problems. Yeah? Sometimes there are just people that are attracted to discontent. They're just always unhappy. Ever met anyone like that? Yeah, don't point to anyone, please. Some people just love to hang out in that place. They just refuse to do anything to make their life better. It's almost magnetic to them that they're unhappy. So much so, they're not happy unless they're unhappy. People, are, look, the ones that are laughing are thinking, yeah, that's so-and-so. <laughs> unless they're unhappy. Some people just can't help themselves. The glass is always half empty rather than half full. Yeah. There's a quote author unknown, that says, nothing in the world can trouble you as much as your own thoughts. Nothing in the world can trouble you as much as your own thoughts. Oh gosh, that's so true, it's not funny. Doesn't that just happen to just about anyone? It just seems to happen that our thoughts sometimes can ravage our minds, take over. You know how it goes, everything's going really well. And you think to yourself, things in life are really good, but why am I feeling like this? Why aren't I embracing this time of victory? Why, why, why aren't I full of joy? Why do I feel like this? You know, sometimes even in community, a church community can sometimes even develop a history of discontent, can't it? You know, there are churches that have a split, and then they have another split. And then they have another split, one after the other, after the other, after the other. There's always this spirit of discontent. Here's a truth for us all. Any new thing that is born from discontent always leads to discontent. Yeah, Any new thing born from discontent always, always leads to discontent. So they, they gather around David for mixed reasons, but they gather. And there was problems in the nations, there was problems in life, but now... These people, they're about to be focused and centred around one particular problem. Matthew Henry, on, on the verse that we read earlier, he actually says the son of David, that's, he's talking about Jesus really, he says the son of David is ready to receive distressed souls that will appoint him their captain and be commanded by him. Everything we sung this morning was about making him our captain. Everything we sung this morning was about making him our focus. Everything we sung this, this morning was to give him control of our lives, wasn't it? No one likes to give God control. Sometimes we've got to step out of the boat in faith. And everyone goes, yeah, that's such a good word, Pastor. I oh, thank you. Like, seriously, if you guys don't start smiling soon, I'm going to start preaching. <laughs> David here, he, he's... 
He, he's the, for those gathered men, he's the focal point of hope for everyone that was distressed and discontented. They all gathered to him. They all went to him. And I'd say to us all that we, that you and I, with Jesus, yeah, we actually should be a focal point of hope like David for those who are discontented, for those that are distressed for whatever reason. Yeah? We should be a focal point. So yes, let's gather together and let's invite people into a space that's supposed to be a safe place for people that even if they're carrying this discontent, this distress, that they'll find themselves at home here and find peace here. Amen? You know, for those that are listening at home today, not those that are unwell, because, you know, people take offence really easy this day. I have to throw in my caveat, my LMCT. You know, maybe for some it's time to get back to church. Maybe for some it's been six months. Maybe for some it's been three years. I'm just throwing it out there. Without fellowship, without using your gifts, without receiving encouragement, without receiving encouragement of res- or responding to the word or to worship. You know, maybe you're, you're brand new into the life of the church and you've just come back into fellowship. Let me encourage you. It's a good thing for God's people to gather together. Yeah? Full stop. Nothing to do with the preaching, yeah? It's just a good thing for God's people to gather together. Even David's family... And, and this is the next few verses in chapter 22, 3, 4, and 5. But even David's family, they had to swallow their pride. You've got to think, he was practically disowned by them. They weren't happy with him. They actually went to the, to the cave of hope, if you will, right? Because they, you see, the kind, oh gosh, the family, they didn't see David's gifts, They just didn't see it in him. His older brother was so angry and hostile to him, wasn't he, when when he was chosen and when he went up to where they were fighting, where where Goliath was and the Philistines were. His brother despised him. His his dad didn't even recognise his ability because when they were being brought forth to the prophet, David wasn't even there because his dad didn't even consider him worthy of being there. And he... In that space, with that heart, they arrive in this community of grace, this gathering of people that are full of discontent. Yeah, And David actually still steps forward and ministers and protects his family. In fact, he takes them all the way back to Moab so that they could be safe just for a season because he didn't want them to come under attack, the attack that he was under. And then he returns back to Adullam. That's a really long journey if you have a, have a look, if you know your geography. And in fact, it's the same journey that Ruth and Naomi took. So the next chapters really is David. The next act, eight chapters, in fact, is David and his band of merry men, right? And the... They experience problems and they have miraculous deliverances, you know, with the hand and through the hand of God. But now they're about to face their own personal catastrophe. Yeah. And so we're jumping to chapter 20. We're going from Adullam to Ziklag. And verse 30, verse 1 reads, David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it. I've preached on this before and I'm not preaching on it the same because we're going to move through it. But they were out doing God's work. They were obedient to what they were supposed to be doing, yeah? 
But he comes back and they find this place totally destroyed. Totally destroyed by fire and their wives and all of their children taken captive. Bit of distress? Think you'd be happy? Bit of discontent maybe? Verse 2 reads, And had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their own way. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. So David comes out of the frying pan, really, and into the fire. He escapes Saul, and the next thing Everything is taken from him by the Amalekites. Everything. Like everything that he owns. Verse 5. David's two wives had been captured. Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. Verse 6. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. He was distressed anyway. He, you know, he was already distressed. The king had been trying to kill him. And now the scripture points out that he's greatly distressed in life, just in life. Maybe it's just me. I'm going to suggest maybe it's all of us. Sometimes problems come to us, don't they? One after another, after another, after another, after another. Yeah? Ever experienced that? Of course. Come on. Open, honest, transparent. Of course we have. Verse 6 reads, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Amen for that. Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. Abiathar brought it to him and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. David and the 600 men, now the 600, 600 men with him came to the Besor Valley where some stayed behind. 200 of them were too exhausted to cross the valley. But David and the other 400 continue in pursuit. Long story short, they eventually catch up to the Amalekites. David attacks them. It's all good news. Verse 18 of 1 Samuel 30, David recovered everything. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing, no thing was missing. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else that had been taken. David brought everything back. Man, how good is that? How, how good is that, that one that he brought everything back? Yeah, everything that was taken. Yeah, it's almost like I will repay the years the locusts have eaten. Everything that was taken was given back. Now, these discontented men that had originally gathered to face their own life and they're now facing their own catastrophe, they now face an exceptionally high level of discontent because all of their stuff was taken. They now get everything back and nothing at all is missing. That's awesome. That's good news, Yeah. You've got to love it when Father God does that in our lives. Haven't we received our life back through our salvation? Haven't we got everything back because of Jesus? Absolutely so we have. Estranged families reunited. God is good all the time and all the time God is good. So this for me is a good news message that we can actually apply to our lives. So they get everything back. But here's the question. 
Don't you think that this should now produce a contentment in their lives? Don't you think now they should be at peace, they should be happy, they should, they should be joyous? Think about it, how it goes for us sometimes. We get a huge in- inheritance and we think, wow, this is going to be the end of my problems. But then we actually find ourselves discontent again. Oh, what about we get married? This will fix everything. But then you're unhappy. Yeah. No, that's not about my relationship. I'm just in general. You know, first two years are a honeymoon, and the next couple you work on, don't you? Everyone, look, all the husbands almost saying anything, looking down. <laughs> no, it was all a breeze. Everything was perfect. Yep. You had a family, but you're still not happy. You get a house, but you've got to fix it. You get a raise at work, but then you want another one. You get a brand new job, but now you miss your old job. You wanted to be older when you were younger, and now you're actually older. Ever heard the phrase, when you get what you want, you don't want it anymore? There's something of that human experience where they lost everything. They want to kill David. They're mad. They are mad as hell. Excuse the, you know, the expression, because they've lost everything. And yet they get, they get everything back, but we're going to see that there's not, so, there's not as much contentment, really, in these men's hearts as there should have been. See, unfortunately, the 400 who did go and, and fight the military action, those 400 that chased down the Amalekites, they refused to share the spoils right, with the 200 exhausted, tired souls who were waiting on the other side of the valley. Now, I certainly have never been in the military, but I've watched enough army movies. I like movies. And I figure, right, that every role a person plays within the military is important. Every part a person plays is essential. It's important. It's, everybody matters. Everyone's important. It's actually no different in the church. You don't, not everyone has to be on the stage. Everybody matters. Everybody's part is important, yeah? But even with that blessing, some of them were still discontented. They wanted a bigger cut of the spoils. What they were actually asking for was like a 30% increase, yeah? So what's going on here? I think this is the key to why you and I, sometimes we can be discontent. I think they were acting on works and not on grace. I think they're acting on works, not on grace. We did it. We've done it. It was our hard work. We deserve it. And those other 200, well, they were tired. They were exhausted. They didn't come. They don't deserve any of this. We did all the work. That's a picture of works. It's not a picture of grace, is it? Didn't they join the fellowship in the first place? Called by the grace of God? Gathered around the Lord's anointed David? Yeah? Verse 24 and 25, they start complaining about this and they they wanted to have their, their big cut and for the others to be cut out. But this is what David has to say, verse 24. Who will listen to what you say? The share of the man who stayed with the supplies is to be the same as that of him who went down to the battle. All will share alike. 
Verse 25, David made this a statute and an ordinance for Israel from that day to this. So David gives this ruling, all will share alike. It's almost like an amendment to a constitution, really, when you think about it. This became a rule of the early church as well because it was all about everybody sharing, everyone being a part of the one fellowship, the one gathering. You know, the Greek word, we all know the Greek word koinonia, yeah? The fellowship. The actual essential meaning when you get into the Greek, as you pull it apart, it actually embraces a number of words in the English and their community, communion, joint participation, sharing and intimacy. So koinonia can refer in some context to a jointly contributed gift. People who don't give won't like this. It has to be important because the word koinonia appears 19 times in most versions of the Greek in the New Testament. 19 times. I don't have to give. It's Old Testament. But I'll... Anyone watch that show? No deal. No deal. Uh-uh. But no deal. 19 times. People having stuff, all sharing alike. So let me add this. Let's all contribute. This is not a giving message at all, but let's all contribute. Begin with 10%. Begin with the tithe. Be fair about your part because every part, every person's part is important. Yeah, And there's a blessing in doing that. More people struggle when they hold on to their money with money than those that give. I'm telling you now. Speak to those. Anyway, we need to get practical. We've gone from the cave of Adullam to Ziklag to the catastrophe of losing everything. God restores it. He brings everything back. They're still unhappy. David gives this ruling of how to keep contentment by fairness and doing things right. And so you and I, we have to be practical if we're going to be a safe place for all people here. Is that fair? So this is what it is. This is what I'm asking you to take hold of today. Identify any discontent in our own souls. Find it. Search for it. Like a kid getting into his pimple. Get in there. Find it if it's in there. Get it out. Maybe it's the government. Maybe it's something specific in our lives. Or maybe you and I, one of us is just one of those people and we just naturally are drawn to a measure of unhappiness and discontent. And our own thoughts trouble and torment us along the way. David was surrounded by people that were unhappy, that were discontent. It all goes wrong. They want to kill him. Simple question. Do you get discontented sometimes? When things go wrong, do you get discontented sometimes when things are well? Let's ask ourselves this question. Why did they actually gather together in the first place? What was the vision that they gathered around David himself, the Lord's anointed? See, David was a magnetic personality. He, he was one of those people you love to be around because you can see, I think you can see the key to the life of David back, all the way back. In verse 6, he found his strength in God. He found his strength in God. Let's, let us, let there 
be a people of God. Let's be a people of God in our homes, in our churches, in our family groups, in our workplaces that will strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Yeah? See, in all this, David didn't carry the burden alone. And I love this. Open, honest, transparent. He didn't carry the burden alone. He, he was fearful. He, he, he was distressed. And what does he do? He actually, he seeks out help. He seeks help from Abiathar the priest at the beginning, doesn't he? Hey, I need help. Get me the ephod. We've got to, we have to inquire of the Lord. Yeah, he seeks help. He says, look, we really need to get this right. We really, we really need to hear from God. And he puts a process in place of seeking the Father. He gets a sense that something needs to be done. Lord, I need to hear from you on this one because I don't want to make this worse. So he seeks God with a flat-out singular focus. Oh, that's cool. So you and I, we've got to... We've got to acknowledge, identify those days when discontent has overtaken us, but we've got to discover the true source of happiness or the true source of joy is a better word, the true source of contentment. Because I think the best preparation I could do for this message for you and me is that I'm concentrating on Jesus myself. But let me explain to you in preparation for this message. You'll love this. I'm talking about being discontent, no joy, and I'm sitting at home yesterday morning and I'm trying to iron out some of my thoughts. And I look up, I'm at, I always work at the end of the kitchen table and I look up and I've got a little Wi-Fi booster, an extender, so the kids will be happy with great internet all through the house that Melanie and I pay for for them so they don't, they don't oh, that's a different message, sorry. Right? But I'm, I'm there sitting and this booster, this booster's got a little red light on it. Oh, that's not good. That means it's, it's not sharing the Wi-Fi through the house. No worries. I'll fix that. I'll get up, leave the message I'm preparing about being content, not being discontent. Turn it off, because that's how you fix every computer problem. Yeah? Turn it on. Perfect. Lights are flashing. That's great. I sit back down. I look up. There's a red light again. So at this point... I'm starting to feel peace leave me. I grab it, I unplug it, I try to get the adapter out. I've got to reach over to areas. I'm not as flexible as I used to be. I needed one of the boys, right? I'm stretching over. Sam probably heard me go, oh, ah, oh. while I grab the charger, I take it right next to the modem. I think what I need to do is I need to, to repair, reconnect this booster with the modem. I'm going to do that. So I start the process and it doesn't work. Start it again and it doesn't work. I feel joy. I don't think there was any joy left, but I felt it leaving. What was left was leaving. It was like someone was squeezing the life out of me, right? So then I think, okay, one more time. I, I know what I'll do. I'll get my laptop. I'll plug it straight into the modem. I'll fix it that way. Nothing. Dead. Okay. By this point, Mel's up from bed. She goes, just leave it, hun. Don't worry. Concentrate on your message. I can't right now. I'm focused. I go under the house. I've got a spare motor. I'll get that. It's a better one anyway. I'll plug that in. So I plug that in. I'm waiting for it to fire up. Internet's now dead. There's no internet. 
It's connecting to the MBN, but there's no internet at all in the house. So no booster's going to work. So then I ring up my carrier and it goes, you are number 48 in line. I'm not exaggerating, right? Mel yells from the bedroom home, that's ridiculous. You can't wait that long, just let it go. No, I'm going to fix this, right? Here I am working on a message about discontent and I'm telling you I was discontented. It got to almost midday, it still wasn't working. Then when it, I finally get off the phone call, it's working. The booster's not. The booster's dead, so I'm unhappy about that. The little light's on. Okay, the internet's on. I'll have to live with that. Just a little bit of joy comes back. I've got to work on my sermon. And then Samuel comes in and goes, is it fixed? I go, yeah, 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 it's all good. He goes, no, no, it's still dead. There's no internet. I go, no, no, the light's the, light's the right colour now. He goes, there's no internet. I pick up my phone. No internet. Nathan gets out of the bedroom. Why is there no internet? So at this point, I'm like, ah! Isn't it just like the enemy that when you're focused on something, he's going to attack you right in that place? I found my strength in the Lord after my wife advised me wisely to find my strength there. And if you ask Samuel, I walked out to do some gardening and stuff because it's my happy place because I had to refocus. Open, honest, transparent. Yeah? I do believe that you and I, we can be content in Jesus in good times and in bad times. I believe that. You know, whether it's the best of times or the worst of times, we can be joyous in Jesus because if it's only the best of times, how do we really know (laughs) that we're content and it's not just because of the best of times? Yeah, It's easy to be happy when everything's easy, but when things are tough, if we can praise Father God in the middle of tough days, those discontented, joyless days, if we can find our joy in the Lord, then isn't that the greatest thing of all? Seriously, isn't that something that, that we can share with all of humanity, all of our community? Isn't it right then that if we can experience joy in hard times, then you and I, we can always be overcomers, that we will always be more than conquerors? You know, there are some things that I've been walking through this year and some people have been walking really closely with me and some of them have been really tough. But praise God that I can experience peace and contentment in the midst of that. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it's easy. You know, I, we could so easily fall into self-pity and so many people do. You ever, anyone relate to self-pity when you throw your pity party? Might only be for a fleeting moment, but it's there, yeah, just for that time. And you're feeling sorry for yourself. Instead of being able, by the grace of God, to strengthen yourself in the Lord, you're feeling sorry for yourself. I sought help from him. I sought help from people around me. And so my joy is intact. Doesn't mean I don't have moments, yeah? Because I think we all have moments. Philippians 4.12 reads, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. This is a famous verse. This is such a famous verse, a context within the verse itself that's worth remembering. And it's only, the context is only 
I guess, emphasised and highlighted in the very next verse after verse 12. Because verse 13 of Philippians 4 reads, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. This verse is all about being joyful in the Lord. This verse is all about contentment. That verse is not about winning a football game. That verse is not about winning at anything at all. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That verse is taken so out of context. This verse... This verse, it's all about being content in all and every situation. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, win or lose. And you and I, we can't be afraid of people who are, who are joyless, who are unhappy, who are discontent. We can't let them affect us. We can't let them drag us down. Because sometimes we have to minister to them, don't we? So we need to recognise those that are just by nature discontented so we know how to minister to them. Because joylessness, discontent, it's everywhere. Just, you just look around, different walks of life that people are in. You know that in the world right now there are just some discontented people. In fact, in our world right now there are just some discontented people. And in fact, there's always someone close to you that is joyless or discontent. And I would say now, with a smile on my face, don't look around and don't point, right? Because we all think, we all know, we can't let those people drag us down. If you don't believe, if you struggle with that, sometimes we need to jump in the car, we just need to go and set our life on a different tra trajectory. Can't get the word out today. Tra, tra, trajectory, that's better. Sometimes we've just got to realign and go again, don't we? Because discontent will be everywhere. If we just look around, we'll see it. And if we're a leader, oh gosh, if you're a leader and you think that people will always like you, no deal. That's just not, it's just not a reality. It's not the way it is. It wasn't true in Adullam. It wasn't true in Ziklag. It wasn't even true after they had victory and got everything back in Ziklag. There's always a mixed crowd. And if we, Family Life Church, if we're going to be a safe place for all people to be restored and then revealed for the glory of God, then let's minister to those that are joyless. Let's minister to those who are discontent. Because the truth is, open, honest and transparent, the truth is I've been one myself. And I think I'll go as far as saying the truth is you've probably been one yourself. People need Jesus. And if someone already knows Jesus... They still need him. Every day, every moment. And if people don't yet know Jesus, because the right, the right term today, you can't, call, you can't call people unbelievers, unsaved. You can't say that. It's not, it's not politically correct anymore. You've got to call them pre-believers. These are pre-believers. So if people are pre-believers, they need Jesus as well. Yeah, we all do. Everyone does. And here Jesus gathers. He gathered people together the same as David did in Adullam, except I guess he only had the 12. But those 12, they were a mixed bunch of young men. They were oppressed by the Romans and they found themselves, even amongst themselves, they were joyless. Even amongst themselves, they were discontented. They were arguing who was the greatest. Even they completely missed the point. And this may sound tough, but some people can never really minister because they've never found contentment in Jesus. Yeah? 
If you take home something, take that home. You can't minister if you haven't found contentment in Jesus. You can't be effective in ministering to people if you don't have joy in your own life. It doesn't mean that you have to feel good every day, but we can't let those things dominate how we feel every day, yeah? So if you and I, if we lose our contentment in Jesus, our joy in Jesus, and we're trying to minister and love those that are joyless, that are discontent, we usually end up discontent ourselves. You know, Galatians 6, 1-2, I've got to finish because I'm out of time. It reads, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So yes, we can minister to a bitter soul. Let's minister to those who struggle. You know, what am I trying to say? I'm saying don't allow a discontented person to make you discontented. Don't allow it. Let's find our joy in the Lord. So do you have joy in the Lord? Because there are a lot of things that will try to rob that from us. Let's be a cheerful people, yeah? If we're a cheerful person, we'll have real sensitivity to those in our lives that aren't feeling cheerful. Let's lift one another up, amen? You know, and we can see this is the tendency for discontent men, these men in Adullam, in their catastrophe. Even after their victory, they got everything back and they're still joyless. They're still discontented because when you get what you want, you don't want it anymore. Let's not pretend that we're all sweet and lovely all the time. That's not how life is. That's not how it is. Open, honest and transparent, yeah? Sometimes I think this is a journey of the spiritual person because it's a real thing for you and I to be a part of the world around us where we can actually end up grumbling and groaning and complaining. It's a real thing. But the Lord is the one who helps us through those things, those moments. So let's lean into and trust God, amen? Why don't we all stand? Sam, can you just play the last song? Yeah, why not? I'll have the team up. I'm just going to ask you now, just to close your eyes for a moment, because I just want us to pray. You know, if we're going to be a safe place for all people, that's our vision, to be restored and revealed for his glory. Then you and I, we need to be able to identify, to see when we're joyless, when, we're, when we have discontent in our hearts. You know, we have to hold on to and know who the true source of joy is. The Lord. Amen. And we can't be afraid of those that don't carry that joy. Those that are discontented. So here's my prayer. If you're struggling with discontent, how about we bring it to Jesus today? Yeah? If you've struggled in life where you know sometimes you're just in a rut, you're feeling unhappy, joyless, and that discontentment is all over you, let's be renewed in His contentment today. Amen?
So you and I, we can't do this on our own. And sometimes, just sometimes, our help, our breakthrough is just a prayer away. So I'm throwing this out with all eyes closed because I don't want you looking at the person. I want to give people a, a, a space where they can move and step into God. If you know you struggle in those places sometimes where you're just joyless, and it's not because life is, is bad, but you're discontent. It's just not working. You, those thoughts just overcome you. Then I want you to raise your hands to God. I'm not even going to ask you to come forward. I just want you to raise your hands to Him. And maybe you're here and you constantly are dealing with and, and working with someone who's discontent and it's bringing you down and you just need to find your strength in the Lord. Again, I'm asking you to raise your hands like you're receiving a gift from God. Because it doesn't matter if we're walking in discontentment or we're working with people, we need the same strength from the same God. Because we carry hope. And this message is a message that people need to receive so they can receive hope. And we're going to do it this way. This song we're going to sing because this song is a song of hope. And if you need your contentment back, if you need your strength back, if you need to be able to journey longer and deeper with those that are there, then sing this song as a prayer and receive everything that God has for you. Amen.